Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. This morning, I'd like to read from, start out by reading from Numbers 9, verses 15 through 23, and it's going to be up on the screens if you guys want to follow along. But it says this, On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's, in, Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and as command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. And when it was lifted in the morning, they'd set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Now, I know it, it repeated a lot, but I just want to make sure you guys got that. So, so respond. It's okay to talk with me. If, if the cloud stayed, what would they do? They would stay. Okay, great, good. But then if it, then if it lifted and moved, then they would... They would move. They would, they would go with it. Yeah, good. But what if it only, what if it only stayed for one night? If, if, it, if it dropped down at the beginning of the night, they would, they would stay. A little bit louder. Come on. Stay. Awesome. And, but then in the morning, if it, if it lifted and moved, they would go. You guys are geniuses. Give yourself a pat on the back. That's awesome. All right. So just to give you a little bit of background on this passage, this is after the Israelites were freed from Egypt. You know, with the whole Moses story, let my people go, that story. Yeah, so it's after this. They've been freed from Egypt, and they're going up to the land of Canaan, and that's the land that God has promised them. Today it would be Israel. And they go up to the border, and God says, all right, the people who are in that land now, we're going to push them out. And they kind of just laughed and said, yeah, right, whatever. And they didn't follow his direction. So instead, God decided that he was going to take them on a 40-year journey throughout the Sinai Desert. And so that cloud is how they were, where they knew where they were going to be going, when and where. And see, the tabernacle, which is what the cloud would go over, and when, they, when the cloud settled, they would stay. And, and then if it lifted, they would... Awesome, you still got it. All right, so if the cloud lifted, they'd stay. If the cloud settled, they'd go. But the tabernacle was considered to be the place of worship. So this is our church building. This is our place of worship. So this, this tent that they would set up and tear down when the cloud settled and when the cloud lifted, um, it wasn't just a little pop-up tent that can hold like four or five people. No, it was a big tent. It was 150 feet long by 75 feet wide. Just to kind of give you a perspective, it's about 25 more feet longer than what this room is and about 15 more feet 
wider of what this room is. This tent was huge. So every time the cloud settled, they would stay, stay. So that means they would have to set up the tent. But if it only stayed for one night, it's like they'd start setting it up at the beginning of the night. And then if the cloud lifted, they would have to, they would have to move. So then they'd have to tear this big tent down. How annoying would that be? <laughs> it's like, oh, we're, we're done. Wait, where's the cloud going? Well, got to tear it back down. And so they had to haul this big tent and tear down and build up this big tent. And with this passage, there are three main ideas that I'd like to talk to you about this morning. And it's also the title of my message. And they are Direction, Action, and Grace. You're probably thinking, how in the world is he going to get that from that passage? I thought that too. But then I looked into it, and I actually enjoyed looking into it. So, um, but what direction are you going in life? And what direction are you receiving in life? What, what are we stepping up? What, what kind of action are we producing with that direction? And are we receiving God's grace through it all? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, we just come before you, Father. I just pray that these words will touch and impact these lives here today, Father. That these words come from you and not from me. That your words will rise above and my words will drop. Father, we just give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And everyone said, amen. All right, so number one is direction. In that passage that we read, the Israelites received direction with the cloud. Because if the cloud settled, they would stay. If the cloud settled, they'd stay. Okay, we're losing it a little bit. If, they cloud, if the cloud settled, they would all right, and then if the cloud lifted, they would go. Okay, great. Um, and at verse 23, it says, At the Lord's command they encamped, and at the Lord's command they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with the command through Moses. So that was their direction. The cloud was their direction on where they were going in their 40-year journey. And if the cloud moved, it moved. If it stayed, it, it, they stayed. You see, we all receive some sort of direction in our life whether it's how to do something. For example, if you get a project in school, whether it's writing a paper or um, a big project for um, whatever, you're given directions on what the teacher wants, and you are to follow those directions. Or you get directions on how to make something. Like when you go to Kmart or Myers and you buy that furniture that has assembly required written on it, and it, you have to make it where... The girls probably would more tend to look at the directions and actually follow them step by step, where the guys would look at the picture in the front of the box and be like, that, that's easy. But then about halfway through, we do kind of break down and sneak a peek at the direction when no one's looking. So we get directions with that. We also get directions on how to get somewhere. So we can haul our phones or have a GPS unit, the TomTom -Tom or Garmin, and we can input coordinates or an address, and it will give us turn-by-turn -turn directions on where to get to and how to get to your destination. So it'll say, turn right or turn left, or you have arrived at your destination. And um, so we can either choose to follow directions in life, or we could choose not to follow directions 
in life. You see, the Israelites, at first, they didn't follow directions. God brought them all the way up to the border of Canaan and said, all right, now push them out. And they're like, yeah, no, no, because we can't do it, even though they could because God was on their side, but they were afraid. So they didn't follow directions, so in return, he sent them on the 40-year journey following a cloud, which is kind of funny if you think about it. And um, so they chose not to follow directions at the beginning, but then they continued to follow directions throughout the rest of their 40-year journey in the desert. I like to cook. And um, with cooking, you are given a recipe sometimes. Sometimes you can just throw things together and it miraculously tastes good. But my family and I, we were um, gathering um, a couple weekends ago, and we were all bringing kind of like a dish to pass, and I chose to bring vegetables, kind of a hot dish vegetable. Well, I didn't have a recipe for like a broccoli and cauliflower cheesy dish, and so I went online and got a, got a recipe. And um, it was Chef Emerald's recipe, and I don't know if any of you know who he is, um, but he's one of the popular chefs on the cooking channel, and he's the guy that has the signature word, bam. So whenever he finishes a dish, he says, bam. Anyways, it's fun. And so I thought, well, if it's from him, it must be good. And it looks fairly simple to make, so sure, why not? So I got the ingredients, and I'm putting them all together, and I'm doing as the directions say, and, and I'm going along, and get ready to put it in the oven, and there's this breadcrumb mixture that you put on top to kind of give it a little flavor and um, a little bit of crunchiness. And what I was supposed to add into the breadcrumbs was some certain seasonings. So I had gotten these seasonings, and, and I went to the seasoning part of the recipe because you had to mix in a whole bunch of different seasonings with the breadcrumbs. And so I'm looking at it, and it's two tablespoons of garlic powder. Tablespoons is the big one. And, yeah, two tablespoons of cayenne pepper, and this is all into one cup of breadcrumbs. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm mixing, I'm like, this is not right. This is not right. But I'm like, this is what the recipe says. This is what the directions say. And so I'm doing it, and I mix it up, and I put it on top, and I bring it to my dinner, and God bless my family, and they're so gracious and so kind. They all said it was good. And I said, no, it isn't. You can be honest. This is terrible. It was so garlicky, and it was so hot. I was like, this, these directions are terrible. They are wrong. I said, so what I'm going to do next time is I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm just going to put in just a little bit because it was just way too strong. And so it happened to be the next weekend, last weekend actually, I got to make the dish again. My extended family was all gathering at my um, brother's house. We were having a bonfire and whatnot. So I was going to bring that dish, and I was going to improve upon it with my own twist, and I was gonna be, it was going to be good. And it was good, by the way. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm looking at the directions again, the recipe again. And I look at the left-hand side, which had all the ingredients, and down at the very bottom said, two teaspoons of essence. So the essence was that seasoning mixture that I added into the one cup of breadcrumbs that first time, except I added the entire thing. It was like kind of a bulk thing. So I put the entire bulk in the cup of breadcrumbs when it only was asking for two teaspoons of that essence. Because I did not follow directions, 
properly, it was a disaster. But the second time, I promise you, it was really good. Um, you know, there's a story in the Bible that kind of explains this direction really good on choosing to follow directions and choosing not to. And it's the story of Jonah and the whale. Now, I know Daniel has kind of talked about this last service, or last week, um, but the second service has not had the privilege to hear it yet. Um, So this is going to be new to them, but not going to be new to you. Uh, But this story, um, Jonah, all of you know it, you you can find it in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. But this story, they... Jonah is told to go to Nineveh to tell them what they're doing wrong and to have them change their ways, but he doesn't want to because he wants them to suffer, and so he tries to run away from God. So he disobeys God's direction for his life, and he starts to run away from him. And all of you know what happened. He gets caught in a storm on a boat. They throw him overboard. He gets eaten by a whale, and he spends three days and three nights in the belly of the whale before he gets spit out, and all because he didn't follow directions. You see, we need to follow God's direction for our life. So let me ask you this. What direction are you choosing to follow in your life? Are you and your friends going in the right direction? Or are you like Jonah, and are you turning against God's direction for your life and your friend's life? You know, I was challenged with this next comment um, in college Um, by our college principal, and he said to us, you know, I could tell you the person you'll become by the people you hang out with because the people around you influence the way you live. It's not that it's bad. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's good. But it's just a proven fact. You don't even realize it's happening. But the people you have in your life influence the person you become. So let me challenge you with that by saying, I can tell the person you'll become by just observing the people you hang out with. Think about that. I'm going to take a step further. Another challenge that I was challenged with was I could tell the type of ministry or the type of work you're going to do in life by the way your bedroom looks. Let's just say I went home and cleaned my bedroom after he told me that. Because if you can't take care of the small things in life, if you can't handle the small directions in life, what makes you think you'll be able to be a success at the big things in your life, the things that is going to make you money, the things that are going to change people's lives if it's going into ministry. So what directions are we taking in life? Proverbs 11, verse 14, in the Message Bible says, Without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. You guys, we always need to be asking what and whose direction are we following. Just like I said, there's good and there's bad directions. And let's make sure that we are following God's direction for our life so that we can get all that he has for us. And I'm not saying you're going to have to lose some of your friends. But maybe it's time to to check out the friends you hang with. Check out what direction you guys are going. And maybe it is time to move on and find some new friends that are going to lift you up and help you flourish in life and not tear you down. 
Or maybe it's time to change the direction in your group of friends. Instead of following with your group of friends and following the direction in their going, why not be the leader and talk to your friends and start changing the direction in which you're going? Be the leader and change the direction and the path that your friends are going down. Because then you will start to influence them, which is what we're called to do as Christians, and not them influencing you. And when we receive the direction, we need to make sure that we are doing something with that direction. And that brings me to my next point, which is action. Point number two is action. Are we producing action with our direction? In the passage that we read at the beginning, the Israelites took action if the cloud moved. So if, if the cloud settled and stayed, they would stay louder, stay, all right? But then if the cloud lifted and, and moved, they would, they would move. All right, great. You still, you're still getting it. Awesome. So they produced action with God's direction. Now, they said that that cloud that settled over the tabernacle was the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. That's what a whole bunch of theologians say. That cloud was the, the glory of God. And so that's what they followed. So as the cloud followed and gave them a new direction, they would produce action and tear down that massive tent and move with it. As Christians, we should be living a life of action. We are actually called to live a life of action. And that can be found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and it's the Great Commission. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, now when the Bible says therefore, it's going to tell you what it's there for. So it's something that you're going to want to write down and make note of. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Ground floor, this is our direction as Christians. This is the great commission that God has given us. Missio Dei, in Latin that translates to the mission of God. This this action is the mission of God. But he's given us direction to do the mission of God, the great commission, the go mission, the go and mission of God. This is our direction as Christians. And we are to go and make disciples. We are to baptize them and we are to teach them. That is our direction. What action are you doing to fulfill that great commission? What action are we doing to fulfill that great commission? You know, there's a great story in the Bible that explains this real well, and it's Jesus and Peter walking on water. And that can be found in Matthew 14, 22 through 33. And most of you have heard it. I've actually preached on it before in one of my previous message, messages, but it's the point where after the feeding of the 5,000, and, and the, the, the disciples get on the boat, and they're, they're starting to cross the sea, and, and Jesus starts walking on water towards them, and they're afraid, and 
he says, well, I'm, I'm Jesus, and I'm the Savior, and blah, blah, blah. And Peter says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you. And with one word, Jesus says, come. That was the direction. That was Peter's direction. He said, come. And so Peter stepped out of the boat and took action and started walking towards Jesus on water. He stepped out of the boat. Ground floor, let's ask ourselves, are we stepping out of the boat? Some of us need to step out of the boat. And are we taking action on our direction? You know, sometimes we, we get, a, get a direction and we stand on the edge of the boat and instead of producing action and stepping out, we do this instead. Take a look at the screens. I have a clip for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Olaf, and I like warm hugs. Olaf? That's right, Olaf. And you are? Uh, um, I'm Anna. And who's the funky-looking donkey over there? That's Sven. Uh-huh. And who's the reindeer? Sven. Oh, they're, oh, okay. Make things easier for me. <laughs> oh, look at him trying to kiss my nose. I like you too. Olaf, did Elsa build you? Yeah, why? Do you know where she is? Yeah, why? Do you think you could show us the way? Yeah, why? How does this work? Ow! Stop it, Sven. Trying to focus here. Yeah, why? I'll tell you why. We need Elsa to bring back Summer. Summer? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know why, but I've always loved the idea of summer and sun and all things hot. Really? I'm guessing you don't have much experience with heat. Nope! <laughs> I love that clip. I love that movie, actually. <laughs> I was actually told by someone here on staff that I sound like a little bit like Olaf. I don't, I don't get it. I don't hear it, but apparently I do. Um, but sometimes we're like Olaf. And instead of producing action with our direction, we ask questions. We ask questions about our direction that we're given. We stand on the edge of the boat and we ask, Why? Okay, why? Yeah, why? Yeah, why? Because we're scared of what might happen. So instead of stepping out of the boat, we stand on the edge, getting our direction like, okay, why? To prolong, to make a delay in producing action. Because we're scared of what might happen. We're scared that we'll mess up. We're scared of failure. And we're scared that we may lead someone down the wrong path. And some of us are stuck on the edge of that boat and not producing any action with direction. But we need to be bold and we need to have faith and step out of that boat. Go be the light and love of Christ in your school. Go talk to that person that God has been telling you to talk to. Go give that word of prophecy that God gave you to tell someone. 
step out of that boat. Take that step of faith so that you can receive all that God has for you. And you may ask me, but Matt, what if we fail? What if we mess up? And I can answer that in one word, which is my next and final point, and that's grace. What if we mess up? What if we fail? Grace. Patrick could come up. He's going to kind of play some cool music as we close out. You see, we are not perfect, nor is God ever expecting us to be perfect. He was and always will be the only perfect person to walk the face of this earth. Yes, it's our goal, and, and we strive to be more like him every day and follow his direction for our life. But he does not expect perfection. If we fail or mess up, God's grace fills the void of our failures. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. We are weak. If we are weak in our action, God's grace and power is made strong. Where we have fear, God's grace and power steps in and guides us through. Where we may mess up, God's grace and power fills the gaps. God's grace, you guys, is sufficient for each and every single one of you to be a success at any action that you do for any direction you get. His grace is sufficient enough. The Israelites in our first passage, you know, they didn't obey God when they were told to take over the land that was promised for them. So they went on a 40-year journey in the desert. But God's grace got them through that 40-year journey, providing them with food in miraculous ways, providing them with water in miraculous ways. And at the end of that 40 years, God's grace fulfilled the promise he had promised them in the beginning. And they took their land that was promised to them. God's grace brought them through that entire journey. And in Peter, after he stepped out of the boat and took action to God's direction, he took a few steps and looked down and realized this is impossible, I'm walking on water, and started to sink. But God's grace reached down and picked him up and saved his life and taught him a lesson on faith. That's God's grace. God's grace is also shown through a staff member here at church. I don't know if any, if any of you know Roderick Daniels. But Roderick has been through so much, and I do have his permission to share this. But Roderick has been shot. He has shot. He's been in prison. He's been in gangs. He's done so much bad. He's gone in such a bad direction in life. But God's grace saved him. He is now walking with the Lord and walking in the direction that God has planned for his life. And just a couple weeks ago, he was invited to be on the 700 Club. And that's a TV, Christian TV station where they interview people and they have preachers come on and preach. And he was asked to share his testimony on a television station that is broadcasted worldwide. 
So hundreds of thousands to millions, maybe even possibly billions of people watching this. And he shared his testimony. And the next day, the producer texted him and said, 316 salvations. That is amazing. You want, you want to know why it's amazing? Because an average number of salvations for them is less than 100. And yet Roderick's message, because he chose to follow God's direction for his life and changed his life around, he can now have his past be a testimony. And if he didn't follow God's direction and produce action and step out of that boat and go on that television station those 316 people would still not be following God's direction today. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. I'm a firm believer that he can take anything bad in your life and turn it around and make it for good. And Roderick is a perfect example of that. See, God's grace continues to give us all direction for our lives. But the question is, is are we producing action? Ground floor, let's step out of the boat. Step out of that boat. And take God's grace and direction to produce action so that we can receive all that he has for us. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Give him a shout of praise. He's so awesome. If you would... All bow your heads. Close your eyes. There's some of you here who have been following a direction, but maybe it's not God's direction for your life because maybe you don't know him. Some of you here are probably standing at the edge of that boat. Because you're here, you know of him. So you're standing on the edge of that boat. And every week you hear you know, come meet him, come follow him and become saved. And, and you're standing on the edge of the boat and you're like, Olaf, and you're like, yeah, why? Yeah, why? But you never take that step because of the unknown. Well, let me tell you about the unknown. The unknown that you're thinking is being saved by grace, is being washed by the blood of Jesus Christ who forgave every sin that you've ever committed. It's living a life of compassion, living a life with Jesus Christ, and it's building a relationship with him. That's what your unknown it is. So why are you still standing at the edge of the boat? Some of you need to take that step this morning. Some of you need to take that step out of the boat. Some of you have taken that step out of the boat, but then started to drown and, and you started swimming back to the boat and where it's safe and secure and gone back to your old ways. Maybe you need to step back out of the boat and receive God's grace for your life. If that's you, if you need to make a decision for the first time or coming back to him, I want to give you a chance to do that. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. And we're going to pray right now. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not 
may be saved, but will be saved by the confession of their mouth. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. Any of those circumstances. Awesome. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we can follow your direction in life. We can follow the direction that you have planned and laid out for us. Father, I pray that you give us strength and wisdom to produce action with that direction in Jesus' name. Father, that through it all, through it all in Jesus' name, that your grace is sufficient for any of our weaknesses and failures. Father, we just give you praise and we thank you so much for that grace. Father, I pray that you be with everyone here. I pray that they can produce action in their schools this week. Be the leader and not the follower. Be the head and not the tail, as the Bible says. And I just speak a blessing over this group of students. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616 534-4923.